Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with Rick Sluter. Rick is the head girls cross country and boys and girls track and field coach for Columbus North High School. During this interview, we cover Rick's background in the sport, his coaching journey, what he's learned about training, culture, relationships, success, and much more. Rick's emphasis on building relationships, creating belief in his athletes that they can accomplish much more than they think they can, and his ability to adapt and learn made it easy to see why he's had so much success throughout his career. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I continue to be impressed by the people that make Indiana distance running what it is. And without further ado, I give you Rick Sluter. All right, Coach Sluter, welcome to the Indiana Runner Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate you taking the time out to do this. So we are going to start, as we have been, with a little tear talk uh, before we jump into the interview portion. This week's uh, theme is best superheroes. Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I think we talked a little bit before this i'm not a huge super guy superhero guy either but i went for i guess like the movie adaptations of these superheroes like the actors and like the roles that i like the most so number three is gonna be batman uh just for the movie's sake i think dark knight's one of probably one of the best movies ever made but definitely maybe the best superhero movie ever made number two is thor not necessarily for his powers, but I just like is it Chris Hemsworth? Is that his name? I just like his uh his acting job. And I like I like the comedic kind of superhero role. And then number one is Iron Man. I don't mean it's, it's kind of a debate if he's actually a superhero or not. Um, but I just think the the whole suit and everything is super cool. So those would be those would be my top three superheroes. Yeah, so I, I so three for me. I'll, I'll be cliche kind of, and I'll, I'll go with the Flash, um, just for the nice. running and the speed and, and that kind of stuff. And my kids have gotten into the newer version, um, watching it on Netflix, so I, I'll get caught up watching that some. So so the Flash, um, and then for me, uh, I, Batman made my list also number two, and nice. so I'm getting old enough now that I the first one that they redid with um, Michael Keaton and all that. I kind of like the idea that a superhero didn't have to be perfect. It didn't mm. have to be, you know, um, Spider-Man is kind of the, the um, I don't know if you'd say nerdy, but he's like the good, the good person all the time. And mm-hmm. Batman kind of had that dark side to it um, that you weren't always sure that he was always going to do what was right. So, so, and now get into Dark Knight too, right? Like what, what, what's right versus wrong. And, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then uh, I, I, this is one that doesn't fit my personality a whole lot, but I guess I kind of like Deadpool and I went with the same mm. movie thing. It's just, I like the funny part. And I mean, it's incredibly bad. Like most of my kids, I wouldn't want watching it on the team. <laughs> um, but but I just thought it was hilarious and uh, funny and and all that kind of stuff. So um, so yeah, that that's my three. Okay, I actually I've never seen Deadpool, but I've heard great things. I should I should watch it. Yeah, it, it's very crude, and most high school kids' parents probably wouldn't want them watching it. But <laughs> but, uh, but I liked it, and so uh, yeah, that's that's mine. There we go. 
I like what you said about Batman. I feel like that's really spot on. It's like the yeah, the dark side of the superhero. That's I don't know. Most superheroes yeah. don't have that. And let's face it, I mean, all of us go through something, right? You know, a little bit, you know, down or a little bit depressed about things and, and all that at different times. And so, you know, that's kind of his whole character. And uh, yeah, and then still does what's right and thinks the city is the most important thing and the people who live in it's the most important thing. And, and I kind of like that. I, I, I'm big on um, um, uh, loyalty and, mm. and that kind of thing. Like you can see, you know, you and I are looking at each other. I got all Columbus on and my whole classroom is Columbus North and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So um, yeah, that, that always got me about him too, you know, yeah. Gotham, Gotham. So have you seen the show Peaky Blinders? I have actually. Yeah. You like it? I do. I, I watched it. Um, I haven't. I haven't watched it all the way through. I don't remember how many seasons. I think they just um, came out with the sixth, maybe. Sixth. So I probably I probably took a pause around four. Okay. Um, so. I just started watching it, but it made me think of like, I don't know. You you find yourself rooting for the bad guy just because you yeah. see the like complexity of the character. I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Well, and it's funny because I teach um, psychology, and we talk about some stuff in there about um, some people call one of our personality traits, the, like Superman, because mm -hmm. we always want to do what's best. And, uh, you know, and I can get into that and I like that, but there's also something to have a little bit of flaw um, mm -hmm. to the character. So anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I want to take it, take it all the way back to the beginning. Um, Cause I know you have, you have a bit of a running history before you were coaching. So kind of a question I've, I feel like I've asked every guest, but how'd you get your start in running? Um, yeah, kind of just take us through the journey a little bit from the beginning. Yeah, you know, cut me off when, when I've answered it enough, but um, mine <laughs> just started with um, a lot, probably really traditional for, for kids my age um, at the time. So I went to high school in the early to mid nineties. Um, my dad and my um, uncles, came out of that late 70s, early 80s running boom with Frank Shorter and, and uh, Bill Rogers and all those old names. And so um, I did everything else first. I played baseball. I played basketball. Um, I did that kind of thing. And then I just kind of always knew I would run cross country. Um, I went to a tiny high school. Um, right now, I think it's way under 300 kids, but it was a little bigger than that when I was there, North, North Central Farmersburg. And um, I just kind of always knew I would go out for cross country when I got to high school. We didn't really have a cross country middle school program. I ran middle school track, but I think our longest distance was a mile, uh, 1600. So um, I just, I picked up after them and, um, you know, they were always, they were wearing the old short shorts, nylon short <laughs> shorts and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just picked it up from there. And um, we started practice two weeks before school started. That was the old rule basically. And I just, I picked it up. I was pretty good at it. Um, well, pretty good for North Central Farmersburg. And, um, and it just gave me a, a good sense of feeling good about being an athlete. And that was it. I just took to it. And, I, you know, I probably ran more days since my freshman year than I've missed. Okay. So was it mostly seeing your parents run or did you know you'd be good at it? Or what was the kind of motivation there? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't run. So to answer part of that, I didn't run. Um, track until my senior year of high school. I thought um, I was going to be a baseball player at five, six, um, maybe five, seven with some big cleats on or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought I was going to be a baseball player because my dad had played baseball, um, semi-professional and things like that. And again, I went to a small school, so it was easy to make the team and, and, and 
I lettered in it and I lettered in basketball. Um, but I, um, I had a, besides my dad and my two uncles who followed me everywhere, like they would come to meets. Uh, my uncle coached at Bar Reef High School um, mm. a long time ago. And so when their season would end, he would come to the rest of my tournament runs. And, and those guys were just, they were super supportive. So I loved it right off the bat. But I also had a really good senior runner um, when I was a freshman. And, you know, he took me to Saturday practices and I got to ride around in his car and I got to ride in the front seat, which Ooh. for a freshman, that's, that's a big deal. Sure. And, um, and then as I got better at it, I don't want that to sound the wrong way, but obviously as I got better at it, I liked it even more, hmm. you know, that sense of kind of accomplishment. And, um, and so it's just a mix of all those. And I, I kind of tell my students at school, my athletes, my life has just been one lucky role after another. And I just kind of fell into all those things. And um, had that guy not ran, he was a baseball basketball star, but he started mm. running himself as like a sophomore. Um, and he got, you know, he was good at it. And then I just clicked with him right off the bat and, and he took me under his wing. Um, and then I would say, I really took it serious. Um, I'm skipping around just a bit, but I really took it serious and really got into it. Um, my junior year, we go to the semi-state and I think I was, I went, it was easy for me to remember because I went third in the sectional, sixth in the regional, ninth in the semi-state. So mm. three, six, nine. And back then you just had to be in a top 10. If the top 10 was the first five from the first two teams, nobody else went. Oh wow! So, so you just had to be in a top 10 and you, you made it to the next round. And um, we were driving to the semi-state at, at Bedford, North Lawrence, and it snowed, um, I'd have to ask Larry Williams and Charlie Worth on this question, because in my mind, it snowed like five to six inches, <laughs> probably snowed an inch. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, I got there and my coach said, get out hard, make the first turn and um, try to be one of the first 10 guys around the corner. And I was and it was a giant pile up and I just sailed through top nine and I I shouldn't have made it to state. In my mm. mind, I probably should have been, you know, 20th to 25th. And instead I made it and that just like clicked, like from this, I'm pretty decent at this to, I want to be a runner. Mm. And so just all these little pieces always kind of got lucky for me. And um, if it didn't snow that day and it's a flat out fast race, who knows where I'm at. And then I'm probably playing basketball and baseball again and not worried as much about running. Um, but that was it. It was just all these little pieces that, that clicked together and um, just, you know, my first race that I won as a sophomore was this tiny little dual meet against um, Linton High School. We had a pretty good girl, female runner this year. And mm. um, a kid took a wrong turn and I took off and, and uh, got a big lead <laughs> and won. And I thought, well, holy cow, I won a race. How cool is that? Right. Mm. And um, had he not taken the wrong turn, who knows? You know, I get beat and I don't think quite as good of the sport. And um, anyway, I don't want to get too far down there, but it just all these little pieces added up. Um, and it really just made me kind of fall in love with competition, um, mm. which is really what drove me in high school. Just yeah. me versus myself and me versus the, the other runners out there. Um, I really got into that eventually. So Yeah. So in the midst of playing other sports as well, like baseball and basketball, did you view yourself as a runner or how did you view yourself? No, I viewed myself. I, I don't know how I viewed myself, but it wasn't a runner. Mm. And it was after that semi-state race okay. because then at my tiny little high school, um, the older coaches, if anybody, um, oh, I'm going to make some guys mad. If any of the older coaches listen to podcasts, um, <laughs> um, they're going to remember that there was an event for girls called a softball throw. 
and that was before shot put and all that, I guess. Mm. And, and we had a girl qualify one time. Besides that, I was the only, I was the first male, I think, to make it to state in anything from my high school. Mm. So I got back to the school and Monday morning, it's on the board out front and, you know, the principal's making announcements. And, and at that point I thought, I just kind of thought, holy cow, this is cooler than even I thought. You know? yeah, yeah. And I remember my coach was crying when I crossed the finish line. Um, now I'm going to get, I'll be honest. I'll probably, I'll get a little teary eyed here. My coach was crying. Um, he was a big bear of a man and he's picking me up and swinging me around and my mom's crying and she didn't even know what it meant, but my mom's crying <laughs> and my dad, you know, was crying and my uncles and aunts and all that. So that's probably the moment my junior year after cross country that I first thought I'm a runner in addition to anything else that I am. Mm. So would, would you say that you also fell in love with the sport at that moment? Or um, no, I, I, I probably fell in love with competition and running is the direction it took at first. Mm, okay. Um, and then, um, I really, in terms of, I would say for me falling in love with running meant I couldn't go a day without wanting to do it. Mm. And that probably didn't start until, um, my senior year of um, high school, of high school. when I really started to take it serious. Um, which isn't a big time gap there, but it is for a high school kid, right? Yeah. Um, six yeah. months is an eternity. Um, and, and then college is when I really loved running, hmm. uh, where I just wanted to do it all the time. Um, my academics were always important to me, but I would say there was a point there where it was 51, 49, you know, academics versus running. So, you know, that, yeah. that was probably the moment that, that it took shape for me. Okay. Cause I still um, played baseball my junior year, even after qualifying for state and cross country, I still went back and um, played baseball that spring and didn't, didn't run track. So were you running year round on top of playing these other sports or? No, I started running two weeks before school started my freshman, sophomore and junior year. Wow. So that was it. And so you come uh, in the season, like pretty out of shape. Yeah. My junior year, um, I still ran over 17 minutes, the first race or two. Wow. And then got in shape quickly. And, um, but that wasn't that uncommon back then. Um, coach Weinheimer, who's been um, back coaching here at North with us, um, you know, he and I talked about that. That was, it was more uncommon for, for a lot of, especially small to medium sized schools, mm-hmm. for kids to run too much during the summer, mm. um, at least where I grew up. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I didn't run year round. I ran the, the whole summer going into my senior year and I went to okay. a camp that summer and then I ran all winter and didn't play basketball and, and then ran track. Okay. Was it a hard decision giving up the other sports? Yeah. Cause my dad was the baseball coach. Oh. <laughs> um, so it was, but yet on the other hand, my dad was like, go do it. I want you, you need to go do this. And coach McNichols, who we might talk about in a little bit was one of my big influences at Indiana state. Um, and, and coach, um, he kind of said, well, I'm going to offer you a scholarship for, for what you've done in cross country. Um, Cause it's only 30 minutes away or whatever from where I grew up, but he said, mm-hmm. you got to run track. Basically he said, you got to run track. Okay. Um, coach, coach passed away a few years ago unexpectedly. So I can tell a bunch of stories and he can't correct me. But uh, <laughs> he, he basically said, um, I expect you to do track now. And I was going to anyway, but that was, that's probably another moment where I kind of realized other people looked at me as that too. And that was kind of important. It kind of made yeah. me feel good about it. Like, you know, um, come from such a small area. I mean, my hometown, I had some kids Google it the other day in class. 
And they're like, we thought you were kidding. Like there's like 12 houses here. And uh, <laughs> like, yeah, well, only, only six of them people live in. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that validation I got from it just made me feel good about it. And I, again, Josh, going back to that, I think all the little pieces added up to it. Yeah. Um, it kind so of when did, any, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, I it say, wasn't when did, any uh, one moment. It was just a bunch of little pieces added into it. Hmm. So when did uh, running in college come into, into the picture, when that become an option? Yeah, my, my junior year, I really regretted not doing track. Hmm. And my school wouldn't let me. I had already started playing baseball, and, I, and that's a good rule, but I'd already committed to baseball, and they wouldn't let me switch after both seasons had started uh, hmm. back then. And so it was that's when I really started thinking, I, I should be doing this as opposed to going over and batting 205. um as a small high school second baseman so um that was when I really thought about like I want to do this and I went and played a basketball tournament at at, um over the winter break at Danville Community College over in Illinois and um the the, their um coach had found out somehow that North Central Farmersburg was coming there to play and he knew my um that I made it to state and all that stuff and he talked to me after the game was over and I, I had never thought about it like that. And then um, once he talked to me, I, that was another piece there that added in that I thought that was really cool and, and um, got me kind of thinking about it. So, yeah. So where all were you considering going for college? Um, you know, I made some visits and I talked to a lot of coaches, but the only two real visits I made, I just went to such a small place. And I think I was 48th and 34th at the state meet. So I was never all state, um, that kind of stuff. And such a small mm-hmm. school that, um, I really, I visited Purdue and, you know, took an official visit up there and I took my visit at Indiana state and I had talked to a couple other schools, um, some smaller ones, the D three schools in state Wabash, um, coach Johnson was unbelievable in the process and, and helped me a lot. Um, and then USI I had talked to because my dad had known their, their former coach, um, but I, when I visited Indiana state, that was it. I just, mm. again, I, I'm a local guy and, and I like the loyalty stuff. My dad went there. Um, and I just, it was close. I knew I could stay around and all the people coming from such a small school also gives you like that, um, that connection to your hometown. I know you can get it at bigger places too, but, um, I know, I know you like you're at Carmel and there's probably teachers in the building that kids never even know their name. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's, it's that way at North here with me right now, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, there's teachers I don't know in the building yeah. and I've been here five years, but there, um, you know, like my grandma's friends are coming up to me, you know, and <laughs> making me like batches of cookies and things like that. And it just felt good to stay around home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just always felt like a hometown guy and I just wanted to stay around there too. Yeah. What was the transition like to basically running full time instead of playing other sports? Um, and also going to a bigger college as well. Yeah, uh, no, it was easy. I loved it. I was ready for it. Um, I immediately loved the jumping miles. Um, I don't remember my high school mileage a ton, but I know I was somewhere in the forties, okay. um, something like that, 35 to 40 something. Um, and you know, it took a little bit of adaptation. My long run in high school was probably, um, maybe seven miles. Oh, wow. And, and then, you know, immediately it's go do 10 miles. The first day, the first day was 10 mile run. (laughs) And that was coach trying to weed out who hadn't done anything in the summer um, Mm. in college. And so, um, you know, I just took to it. I don't want to act like it was like, there wasn't some growing pains, but 
I took to the mileage. I, I loved running every day. Um, I loved two days, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. What do you remember about your training from, I guess, either high school or, or college? Yeah. So my training, one thing that I liked about um, my college coach, Coach McNichols, is he didn't jump from fad to fad, but he was not afraid to add new stuff if he, if he felt that it was, there was a good scientific basis behind it. Mm. And he felt that it was something missing in our training he would go for it. And, um, and so, you know, out of my 12 seasons there, if you, you know, indoor, outdoor and cross, um, Mm -hmm. we probably added seven to eight things over that time period. Mm. And I liked that because, um, it made me want to be a student of the sport too. Mm. You know, and it gave me that good question of why, like, why are we doing this? What do we need to do next time? Um, what's the purpose behind it? Um, and that's probably one of the biggest things I, I remember about our training. Um, mm. you know, I could go into workouts we did and all that kind of stuff, but in reality, it was just, um, always wanting to do more and do it better and find the next best thing that would help us keep improving. So, yeah. Were there any, uh, like key moments from that time? Anything you remember that sticks out? Um, no, both at high school and in college, I just had really good teammates. Mm. I love my teammates. Um, you know, there are the guys now that I might not even get along with Crate. Like we got into this squabble or that squabble in college, but we still text all the time mm. or they're coaches now and we'll bounce back and forth. So um, that's, I just had really fun, good teammates. You know, mm. I, I told this to somebody the other day, um, you know, a lot of the kids are at the high school level. I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to move away from whatever <laughs> town it is. And I didn't like, I loved my high school experience. I mean, I got to walk down the hall and see a picture from 1969 with my dad and the baseball team and uh, my uncles. And, um, you know, at college, I loved my coach. I, you know, um, Indiana State certainly didn't have all the stuff that IU or Purdue or that kind of stuff had, but I loved it. You know, I loved the locker rooms and that's what I remember. I mean, I just, I remember, you know, we were driving to a meet and the the axle fell off the little minivan that we were in (laughs) and we sat at a gas station or or a truck stop or whatever for three hours. And I just, I just loved all that stuff. Mm. Um, And that, that has influenced me. We won't, we're not ready for this yet. I don't think, but that has really been a big carryover that I can talk about later into Mm. what I I try to do here Mm. is just create that atmosphere where they just love it. Like they, they love their teammates and, and, um, you know, I had a lot of stuff happen this year in my personal life, and I probably didn't do that as well this year as I have in the past. Hmm. And um, that that might be my big regret that that's going to stick with me this year. But that that's what I remember, Josh, is just um, all the fun times, you know, in high school, you know, we grew up in such a small area. We might say that I'm going to Timmy's house and Timmy says I'm going to Rick's house and whatever. And we go camping <laughs> and our parents knew it. Nice. Like they weren't stupid, but, yeah. but we grew up out in the country and no one cared, you know. Um, yeah and just hanging out with them. And, you know, they supported me, even though um, this is going to sound bad, but we weren't that good. Um, and, and they supported me anyway. There was no like me versus them sort of deal. They, they were cheering for me. They all came to my meets after the R season, after whatever, whatever round we got eliminated in, they were always mm-hmm. there for me. Then I just loved it, you know, and mm. um, three or four of my best friends now are still guys from Indiana state. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I graduated from Purdue five years ago now, and it's been interesting to see like settling back down in the Indy area. I kind of expected, cause like going through those four college years, like I got 
super close to a handful of guys and I thought like they'd be my best friends for life and I'm still like close with a lot of them but it's been interesting like moving back home even because I went to Fishers um you guys are from Fishers High School in 2014 and I thought you kind of think you never will see those guys ever again see the people that you were friends with but you like somehow even in a bigger you know area like find your way back home or kind of like what you're saying like a lot of kids are ready to get out to like go somewhere else but like your roots kind of just find you somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of my friends right now are, or my closest friends are ones I went to high school with or grew up around, kind of just like finds their their way back. Um. So going into Indiana State, what did you have in mind for after? Were you planning to to teach and coach, or what did you think? No. Um. My dad was a teacher, and and uh, uncle and some aunts were all teachers, and I. Like a typical uh, college kid, I, I didn't want to be like them. <laughs> I thought I wanted to be one step better. So I actually um, had intended, I had injured my uh, a master's program at Indiana State for history. Mm. Um, and that's what I was going to do. Um, I had won a scholarship from the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, post-grad scholarship. And so um, that's what I was going to do. And I was going to be a professor, I thought. Mm. Um, that that would have been my goal was to write and be a professor of uh, history. And I'm probably not even saying that right, but shows you how far I got. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I got the chance to go run with the invaders. And mm. so that changed that. And again, just a lucky piece there that changed the whole course of it. Um, yeah. So could you explain what the invaders are and how that opportunity came about? Yeah. So, so the invaders, I don't know if it's our, or was, uh, I don't know what their status is right now, but um, the invaders was a post-grad opportunity that was springing up all over the place. Right. That's when Hanson's had started up in Michigan mm. um, and there were a bunch of them popping up and and um, they had started one here in Indy and it was a Nike sponsored club. Um, and so um, I got a chance basically as a walk on mm. um, to, to join it. And then um, I had just been one of those guys who had gotten better every single year. Um, you know, I left um, high school. I think I was 1552 was my PR. Um, which back then 1552 was okay. And now, I mean, guys are running that and not even making all state, but, um, (laughs) and so, um, 1552 and then, um, you know, I, I entered college and I think I broke, I either broke 15 my freshman year or I ran like 15 to owe something. And then I left running 1520 and eight, 18 or whatever it was in that. And then, um, then when I got to the invaders, I just kept getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got down to, um, 1403 and, wow. you know, 348, 347 and a 1500. Um, I joke that I'm like, Mr. O something, uh, <laughs> you know, four O this and, and that. And so a few seconds faster, and this is the one time it broke, broke the other way. I didn't get that lucky break. And I, you know, I kind of stalled out at 1403 or whatever it was. And if I, at the time, if I'd ran 1357, I would have probably made it to the trials. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I stay on running another cycle and I never get into teaching. Um, and I never find that, that passion that I have now. And I, who knows where my life's at, but that's different. But um, yeah, I just, I got a chance to go to the invaders and I jumped on it and I got a chance to live, you know, kind of a minor league baseball life for four mm-hmm. years or so. So, so you were, so four years is how long you were part of the team. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then I kind of bounced around. I did um, a thing with, um, I met my, you know, to be wife and I moved up to Chicago area and I did um, 
kind of a year with Reebok and a year with an Adidas club. And then I was just, you know, I wanted to, to do other things. So, yeah. So during this time, is it like full-time running? Are you working as well or? Yeah. I, I got another lucky experience. Um, I met um, Bob Kennedy, whose daughter, Sophia, um, mm-hmm. has been a star at, at Park Tudor. And I met um, Bob through a mutual friend, Gareth Wilford. Um, and they had started the um, um, running company there in Broad Ripple. That's now changed names two or three times, but that's before Bob owned the annex and those kind of things. And mm-hmm. I got in with Bob and I kind of, um, our friend Gareth and I became um, kind of his training partner for a couple of years there at the kind of toward the end of his career. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I worked at his store, helped manage his store um, and ran with him. And, you know, I always joke, I got to hang out with Bob, with uh, Michael Jordan of our sport from the nineties and <laughs> early two thousand. So um, that was another big influence. I got just so lucky to bump into that and fall into that. And I got exposed to a whole nother level of training. Um, I mean, for gosh sakes, you're running with the first, you know, um, non-African to break 13 minutes. Mm. And so you're hearing um, all the training and doing the training and seeing the training that he was doing. And that's been a big influence on me. Um, it's a lot of what we do here now. Mm. Um, and so I just kind of fell into that and got to train with Bob and, you know, training at Eagle Creek every morning and all those kind of things. And on the on the path there in Broad Ripple. And anyway, um, so I wasn't, I was running full time, but I was also um, working at that, at the running company. Yeah. Okay. Would you be able to go into a little bit of the training you guys were doing at that time? Yeah, it was heavy. Um, um, Jack Daniels kind of based a lot of it was, um, and he was being coached by uh, Marcus O'Sullivan at the time, who was um, I think at Villanova. I don't remember exactly. I, I fact check me on that one. But, um, and so, um, yeah, we did a lot of threshold training, a lot of lactate, obviously, uh, a mm-hmm. lot of temple running. Um, his volume at the time was medium to high for a lot of runners. It, um, so mine was too, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of hill work. Um, and so that was a lot of, I mean, we, we use Butler a lot. So um, we use the Butler track and do, you know, 10 times a thousand at threshold with short recovery. Um, and then of course, when he did his high level training, he left us. I mean, he was in mm. London or, or he was in Boulder or places like that. Um, okay. but, um, you know, that was a lot of our training five mile temple run at five minute, you know, five minute pace or whatever it might be. Um, probably a lot of my best days were left at Butler Okay. <laughs> and his were left at, at the track racing, um, <laughs> but, but I wouldn't have traded that for anything. Um, I mean, for gosh sakes, I got to hang around Bob Kennedy for a couple of years. Yeah, so, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. So, and that was a lot of it. And just getting to listen to him talk about it and getting like he, he, um, I, I loved being around him and I've got a chance to reconnect with him when his daughter's been racing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, he would tell me what it, what it was like. He would say, like, I would, I would say, well, maybe I want to go run this road race or I want to go do this or I want to go do that. And he would say, pick a choice. Like either you're going to run on the track and you're going to do this, or you're going to go run road races. You're going to go do that, but, but do it like zero in and do it. And Mm. um, don't be a half, you know? And so that's been a big influence on me too. Like pick, pick something and and go do it, you know, pick a route and training, believe in it, go do it. Yeah. Um, Pick a meet you guys are going to focus on and and train for it and go do it. You know? Mm. So. I like that. So how did your professional career come to an end and what was the transition like to whatever happened next we got married that was uh, um, 
Yeah, that, that was um, that was kind of it. I just, I think, um, I wouldn't even, I don't know, I would call it semi-professional, you know, like, it, to me, it was a big deal at the time. But I would say now it's probably like being in, in you know, AAA baseball, you know, at best. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to meet so many neat people. Um, but but I just kind of, I just had petered out and I just had, um, there was a time when it was just more fun to hang out with my wife and do things um, mm-hmm. than it was to think about going. And it wasn't so much that I dreaded. I still love to go out and hammer myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't tell my team this, but the other day I went for a run with, with Julia Kiesler, our, our number uh, one. And, um, you know, we're running six, whatever pace and I'm dying. I just can't tell her that. And, um, and I still love that part of it. I mm-hmm. just, I just kind of lost the idea of going out trying to run 1359 or whatever my goal was. Mm. And so, um, you know, then, um, I just, that was it. I just wanted to sort of just move on. I guess I just woke up one day and I would rather hang out with her than go run 12 miles. Yeah. This is a question that I've been asked before and I think about from time to time, but if you had unlimited money to spend on like changing professional running, improving professional running, um, how would you use it or what areas would you change or yeah. Yeah. You know, I think about that a lot too, because um, my wife and I love to wish we would have won the $2 billion a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, um, you know, I, I would do a lot at the high school level. Mm. I really would. I know you just asked about something different and I'll answer that too, but I would, I would, my wife and I joked, I, I told her if we won that, I'm not quitting. Mm. Like I'm staying at North. I might not teach, um, <laughs> but I'm going to build myself a heck of a nice office out by the track there and I'm going to keep coaching because I love it. And so, you know, I would do that. I would, I would invest a lot into, um, to high school running but I've always thought it would be so awesome to buy land and build a camp and, you know, during the summer host high schools there somewhere mm. out in Colorado or, or Flagstaff or somewhere. And then I, I would open it up. If I had that unlimited money, mm-hmm. I'd probably just open it up for, for guys like me to come train mm. and not have to worry about paying for it. Not have to worry about finding a way. Um, I just open it up, you know, it's free guys. You can live here. Um, you know, I'm not going to give you money. <laughs> but I'm going to let you stay here and, and I'll feed you and I'll house you and you can train like an animal for, you know, um, a few months at a time. And, um, you know, I, I'm maybe start a club team, but, but that's, that's what I would do. I would love to just let all those guys who were like 1420 to, to, uh, 14 flat to come out there and get a chance to run for a few years. And, you know, I, I bought, you know, I got to have, I bought Bob Kennedy's video game system and we play video games in my front room. And, you know, I'd love to just offer that to a bunch of guys and, and girls and women and let them, you know, spend two years doing that. Forget like two years of going and traveling Europe or whatever, take two years and see how good of a runner you can be. Yeah. I like that idea. Uh, so what came after professional running when that came to an end? Yeah, I, I worked in another shoe store uh, up in Chicago area because that's where she was from. Um, we were actually we were right outside uh, Sandberg High School, who's got a remarkable program, and I got to know some of their coaches pretty well. Um, and so um, I worked at a running store up there, and um, then I I had to I went back, and then I then I'm like I I want to teach now now I'm in I want to teach I want to coach, so I went mm-hmm. back and I had a chance to again a couple of lucky things here. Um, I had to take, I had a chance to take a job with a shoe company 
and they offered me a job. I was going to, I was going to get like their car to drive around, um, and all that kind of stuff. And I was, but then I started looking, I'm like, I'm never going to be home. Um, if you, if anybody out there knows about being a shoe rep, it's a long, you know, to work your way up, it takes a while. And, um, I got offered a job and they wanted me to take it. We were in Florida, um, with our son who was, you know, an infant at that point. And they basically said, I need to know today. Mm. Like, I need to know right now. I did the inter. Actually, I take that back. We were in the Bahamas with her parents. And I said, uh, they said, I need to know today. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you that right now. I'm in the Bahamas. You know, <laughs> right. I'm not, I can't tell you that. And, um, and so I met, I didn't take it. And then I went back and like, that's it. I, I want to be a teacher. Mm. I want to dedicate my life to this. I want to, I want to, I want to be a teacher. And the coaching wasn't even a part of that yet. I just, I wanted to be a teacher. I thought I started seeing myself drive past schools and wonder what it looked like on the inside. Hmm. And, um, you know, how cool it would be to have your own desk and influence kids' lives. And, mm-hmm. and that's it. So I started, I went back and did a transition teaching program. Um, and I had to drive from Chicago area down to Indiana Wesleyan every Saturday and uh, here in Indy on the north side. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody drives past it. It's the one on the north side there, the loop right on 465. Um, and so I, um, I drove down every Saturday and then I did my student teaching and, and got my license added on and, um, luck of the draw, I got in at Munster, which is one of the best academic schools in Northwest Indiana. Mm. Um, and I, and I wasn't even a coach. Um, I just got hired in as a teacher. There was no job open for coaching. And then, um, I lucked right into it. Um, again, just that lucky pieces there that fell in the coach quit and like, um, January, the head, oh, wow. the head track coach quit. So they shuffled some things around and there was a job open and I took it. This and is I your first coached, year? This is my first year. Wow. And I coached, um, I coached um, sprints, girls sprints, high jump and long jump. <laughs> and that was my introduction to, um, or maybe it was just long jump. I don't know, but I coached, I coached that. And um, first year had girls go down and get um, second and fourth in the 400. And, um, we ran 353 in a four by four, the girls wow. did. And, um, that was it. I was hooked. And, um, two years later I was the head coach and, uh, of girls track. And by then I had started coaching with Aaron Brown, the boys coach there at Munster. And we just hit it off as, as best friends. And immediately, you know, he took my advice and I took his and we melt, you know, kind of melted together a program and I loved it. And that was it. I was hooked. So heading into to Munster, would you have been content just to teach? Yes. At first, yes. I Coaching mm. wasn't even on it. And it was a really big deal. I mean, it still is now to not be known as a coach. Mm. Like, that's fine. That's great. You know, call me Coach Suter in the hallways, whatever. But I, I, I also like my peers and that to, to look at me as a teacher. Mm. Um, and how, so, do you, how do you keep that balance? I don't, but I, I do it <laughs> in my head. I do it. And I, they look at me as a, you know, as a coach, a lot of them do, but, um, you know, the way I dress, you know, I, I, I don't, um, you know, I dress professional in my classroom and, um, I don't use athletics as every one of my examples, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And, and, um, you know, I treat the kids in class the same as I do everybody else. The, the kids who run, mm-hmm. I treat them the same, um, and I just try to do a really good job. And at some point you can't avoid it. Yeah. But I, try, I just try to do a really good job in the classroom at the same time. So, yeah. So did you spend some time coaching at Franklin college? 
Is that, I did. Is that um, after that was, Monster? No, it was before. Um, okay. Just, it was just, I was running and I didn't have the job yet with um, the running company. And okay. I met the, the coach down at, at Franklin um, and we met and he was a great guy. And he asked me, they were, they kind of had a, what they called a grad assistant position, but they don't have grad school. So hmm. I don't know how they got away with calling it that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I didn't qualify for any type of, um, I really couldn't use the aid, but I, they gave me a free house on campus. I got free food at the, at the cafeteria. Um, and I think I got paid like three grand. Okay. Um, and so I took that job. Um, and I coached with Paul Sargent down there for two years and it just wasn't like, I wasn't, it wasn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're living off three grand and a free house on campus and, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, I was still running. I was running. It gave me something that I, I could still run for the invaders mm -hmm. and do that. Okay. Um, and, uh, Paul was, um, uh, very, um, a lot of the coaches out there know Paul Sargent, um, um, especially Indy South. And so, um, he, he was really flexible with my running. If I needed to go race or do things, he was really good with that. So, yeah. Did you like helping out at the college level? I did. Um, Franklin, you know, you, you had, uh, we talked about on, you know, prepping for this a little bit about, you know, my life and how it led to coaching and store lessons I took from it. Franklin college was probably the first time in a long time that I realized that people run for different reasons. Hmm. And it wasn't all about being fast and it wasn't all about being all conference or national qualifier mm. or um, running for Nike or something like that. It was um, running for myself or being a part of something because all those kids, um, we were, we were average um, mm. at Franklin, but we built our numbers up and we had kids who loved it and kids who took it serious, but they were running for all kinds of different reasons. Mm. Um, they're running because it was their friend group. Uh, they're running because um um, and there were, we had an all American when I was there, we had two all Americans, I think when I was there, oh, I mean, there wow. were ones who wanted to be good at it. Absolutely. But there were ones who just, I ran, um, you know, a girl who ran 22 minutes last year and wanted to run 21 minutes this year for 5k. Mm. Um, and so it, it reminded me that I was coaching and that there are people who wanted to do all kinds of different things in the sport. Yeah. So being someone who ran fast times and, and accomplished a good amount of things, was it hard to, I don't know, like, how did you handle seeing those motivations? It was like, how could you not be in it to win? Or did you, were you able to understand their motivations? It, it, it was at first. It really mm -hmm. was at first. It was kind of hard. Like I came in guns blazing, you know, you're only running 40 miles a week. Let's go run 60 miles a week. And you're going to be that much better. Mm -hmm. And then they would say, well, what about my academics coach? <laughs> like, I want to be, I want to be a teacher or I want to be a journalist or I want to be whatever. And, um, and that caused me to take a step back. Um, mm. and, and so it was at first, but, but pretty quickly I picked up. And then I would like to think too, like, I also raised their level of competitiveness, mm. you know, like, like I showed them like, that's fine. We can be a 20 minute 5k runner on the girl side or, uh, you know, a 17 minute 5k guy, but let's do it and try to be 1659 mm. and let's try to be 1959. And they bought into that too. And there's still a lot of them that, that I follow online. They're still running now, you know, um, probably in their thirties or however old they are. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're, they're, um, they're running marathons. And so, you know, they, they helped me grow a lot. And I think I brought some competitive side into their, to their running too. Yeah, absolutely. So how did the, the rest of your time at Munster go? Um, and then how, how'd you end up at Columbus North? Yeah. So, so Munster um, was awesome. Aaron Brown and I coached together. 
Um, gosh, I think I was there 12 years. So we probably coached together for 11. Um, okay. And he and I just, I mean, I, I'm kind of almost surprised he hasn't texted me tonight or I haven't, well, like we still talk all the time. He's, he's mm. still one of my biggest sounding boards and probably one of my biggest fans. Um, and now, now I'm going to almost get choked up. You made me think about it, Josh. Like he's calling mm. me, like once he knew that we won a state title last year, like he's calling me immediately, you know, he's in mm. tears and, and jumping him down. So, so he and I formed this bond and it was awesome. And then Tom Barnes was my throws coach on the girls side when I was there and mm. same thing, just best of friends, still talk all the time. And so we just, those relationships made it important. Like I talked about with my teammates, um, mm. I still carry that along and we had phenomenal teams. I, we, um, we won the NCC conference all, all 12 years that I was coaching on the girls track side. Um, well, I think we won seven straight sectionals. Uh, um, and, uh, when I left there, we had won our seventh, um, you know, we had, um, all state athletes and man, tons of events. Um, and I'm not saying that to brag. It was just like, I think the fun side of having a good coaching staff with lots of kids out, um, you know, 2014, we just missed the state title on the boys. We lost by 10 points to Carmel. Uh, we lost the 10 points to Westloff and three points to Carmel. So we lost by mm. 10 points and didn't even, we weren't even runners up. Um, and so it was just fun. We had a lot of success and then we had a lot of down years, mm-hmm. you know, we were just up and down, but we enjoyed it the whole time. And um, it was another experience where I learned like our track team on the girls side was, uh, was sometimes upwards of 80, 90 girls mm. um, out of a school of 1500. Um, wow. so, you know, um, it was, again, it was fun because we got everybody out and there were girls throwing 19 feet in a shot. And then we had a girl who would have won most years. Abby Captain probably would have won most years. And she had to throw behind, um, Tori bliss from Portage. who was one of the best throwers in the history of the state. Mm. Right. And so, so we had fun and we, we were really competitive, but we also enjoyed it all the time. Um, and so I don't know how much I'm answering that besides telling you, I just, I loved it. Like I loved coaching there. Um, but, but I, I always wanted to be a little bit more like mm. that picked up from my first day there. Like when I got into coaching, I realized there were things I wanted to accomplish. And um, when this job popped open, I just, I knew it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to try and see where I, what I would do at a place that already had it right. That had already mm. done things and the foundation was there and, and um, could I do it? And could mm. I be a part of it? And I'm a Southern Indiana guy. Mm. So this was kind of like coming back home. Yeah. Well, uh, going back to Munster a little bit, what were some, I guess, key things you learned along the way, some things that you changed up as a coach, some ways you improved, I guess, or different things like that? Yeah. I mean, I was never one of those guys who thought I knew everything. Mm. Well, I never thought I was one of those guys that thought I knew everything. Other people <laughs> coach with me probably say that guy thinks he knows everything. Um, but um, I, I really, I picked up um, learning from others a lot hmm. and listening to others. Um, you know, tonight, um, before we did this, I talked to Jeff Rohde, the coach up at um, Lake Central, the boys coach hmm. tonight on the phone. And just, you know, we talked training and, and there were years we beat him and years he beat us and we would talk training back and forth. And, um, um, same, um, Zach Toothman from Avon's another one. I talked to him tonight about something and we, you know, I just learned to be more, I don't know what the word is. I'm not great with my, um, grammar collegial. I don't know, like trading, like, mm. uh, talking to other coaches and watching what other teams did and, 
and learning from them. And I really picked up a lot of that at Munster. Um, Definitely. Learning and cheating and stealing their ideas. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there maybe like one or two things maybe about training or about culture that really like, oh man, I wish someone had told me this from day one or. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the one thing, and I, I would tell young coaches this and other coaches have said it too. I was a distance guy. Like I was only a distance guy. Like I couldn't, mm. I could tell you that the Fosbury flop came from Dick Fosbury and I'm pretty sure that was his first name, but I could even be wrong on that. <laughs> and um, that's all I knew about track. Mm. Like I couldn't tell you how much the shot weighed. I couldn't tell you, um, you know, what was a good number of steps for the long jump, things like that. And I got thrust right into having to coach events that I knew nothing about. Mm. And I would encourage a lot of young coaches don't be one dimensional, mm. like coaching, coaching, um, girls sprints was the best thing that happened to me long-term because mm. I had to get out of my comfort zone. I had to learn new things. I had to read. I had to go to the clinic and go to, um, I might've rolled my eyes, but I couldn't go in and listen to the distance coaches talk. I had to go into the sprints because <laughs> I had to learn, you mm. know, and, and, um, it made me a lot better, well-rounded coach. Mm. You know, and so now when Tony Hollers talks about feed the cats, it makes sense to me. The okay. biomechanics make sense. And, and um, our girls do many hurdles. Mm. Our sprint, our distance kids do many hurdles because I, I picked that up of good form. Good form seems to be good form no matter who it is. Right. Mm. And so, um, so I picked that up and, you know, I'm really proud. I, I coached, um, I don't know what year it is. I got her medal somewhere over here. I coached um, Corinne Irwin to a 5'11 high jump mm. and she was a state champ. And, um, that, that was really important to me because, you know, um, I'm, I'm five, whatever, and she's six, one, and, um, I had to learn it. And John Gartland from Indiana state, um, a lot of Indiana coaches, know coach Gartland, he helped me so much. Um, I would pull over my drives home. I lived in Illinois with, cause that's where my wife was from. So I would drive from Munster back to Illinois for 40 minutes every day. John Gartland would call me and I would, I'd pull over on the interstate with my flashers on and he would help me through training high jump for 40 minutes, hmm. um, teaching me about it and telling me drills and uh, sending me videos. And it just made me, it made me learn and made me be a better coach. Yeah. And it sounds really cliche, but it is true. It seems like a lot of really just the whole distance running community community in Indiana is like really, it's welcoming, willing to share, willing to collaborate with each other. Have you found that to be true? Definitely. And, and I hope that I'm a part of that. Like I want to, um, I, I love sharing. Um, I almost told you at the beginning, like pick a time, like tell me how long you want to go, because if we really got going, I'll, I'll talk all night. I love the sport. Um, and they, and they do. And that's, like I said, I, you know, it's kind of fun. Every once in a while I'll scroll through my phone and, and just in my head, I'm like, who do I want to talk to tonight? And I'll shoot him a text, you know, um, Jeremy Bainey from down at South Dearborn was, um, he was actually in that race at Linton. I don't think he was a guy who went the wrong way, but so I met this guy way back in the nineties and he was at Indiana state when I was there and we taught training and, you know, I, I love talking training, Charlie Worthen over at Bloomington North and Larry Williams. And I talk maybe once a week from hmm. Bloomington South. And I love, I love it. So you're right. We do share and we talk a lot. And I, I love that about Indiana. That's awesome. So what was, uh, what was the transition like to, to Columbus North? Well, I, I know you're going to want to talk about what's here, but my transition at first was living in a motel three nights a week, two nights a week, because oh, really? I wanted to get started immediately. And I knew 
the history here and I knew the transition um, mm-hmm. and I knew what coach Weinheimer had done. And um, I had seen other programs quickly fall off the map, mm-hmm. right? Like you could, you could pick these programs in Indiana who spent X number of years being really good. And then they were gone. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter if they were big or small schools it, that it, when there were coaches who switched, that kind of stuff could happen. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that to happen here. Um, so I would drive down <laughs> from Chicago area and I would stay in this motel out by the outlet malls here in, in Columbus. And I would stay there. I think it was Sunday night. So I could be there for Monday morning. So I drive down, I would stay Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and have practice Wednesday morning and drive back home be with my family. I would, wow. I started bringing my kids with me. Um, I would bring one at a time down with me, my two kids. And, and so that the transition at first was hard. Yeah. Uh, I was convinced of my wife. She's going to hate me, but she probably won't listen to this. Um, she thinks we live in the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we live in the South living here. Yeah. Um, she, she's a, she was a um, Chicago born and raised girl and then lived in um, uh, Wisconsin for a few years and then back to Chicago. So um, she's definitely a city girl. She hates that. I say that. Um, <laughs> so it was hard on her to move down here first, but, mm-hmm. but the transition to living in Columbus was seamless. I love this town. Mm. I love this community. I, I love it. Um, I love the people here. Um, I, I don't know. It feels like people yell at you even nicely. <laughs> like, you know, hey, get out of the road, please. please. You know, <laughs> and um, and I love it here. But but the coaching's what you're you know you want to know. And so um, it was not hard. Um, mm. I had a couple of um, juniors who just said, coach, we don't want to be the first team to go four years without getting on a medal stand. Mm. And they were two years on their way. Mm. And then I had some seniors who bought in and there was a couple who didn't, and there were some girls who didn't come out. Mm. Um, and so um, it at first was a little scary and it was new training, right? I mean, you had coach Weinheimer. I mean, you had, you know, one of the legends of the sport and it wasn't mm. that I was too intimidated but it was more, it was all new language. It was all new um, workouts and, and PPMs, um, you know, PPM runs, I called them different things. Mm-hmm. We weren't doing 400s at some point in the year, um, the, the CIs, like, like they were used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a little bit and then they started running some better times mm. and we started doing well. And my relationships with them personally got really well. And I have a great assistant um, Leslie Weaver, who, who, um, helped us. We, she was new with me too. So the girls didn't really know her from that. Um, and we just, we made relationships. Um, we went to camp, made friends over the summer. I was probably a lot more, you know, you, um, said maybe keeping the balance between authority figure. I, I let that slip just a bit the first year Mm. because it was really important for me to have a relationship because a kid isn't going to do new things or hard things for you if they don't like you. Mm. And I know some old coaches out there are going to say, that's not true. They shouldn't like you. I disagree. They need to like you. Hmm. You don't have to be their best friend. You're not going to go to the movies with them. You're not going to call them, you know, mm-hmm. but they're, they need to like you. They need to mm-hmm. think coach Suter's okay. And he cares about me and he wants me to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I feel that way. Yeah. And, um, and so that, that took a little bit of time. And I think we left camp. We left camp on the road to success. And we didn't get there. Um, I can't remember what place we were. I think they were 24th the year before I got here. I think we were only 20th, maybe 18th, something like that. But the seeds have been planted. 
those juniors, there were two of them, Olivia Morlock and Kennedy Kerber in particular, that just took it upon themselves. We're going to do this. And then we got an influx of some freshmen and that was it. They were, we were, we're going to go coach. And um, by the time track finished my first year, we were mm -hmm. bought in mm. and we were going. And um, when cross started that next, you know, that next year, two weeks later, after yeah. track was over, um, <laughs> we, we were rolling and camp was awesome and everything was good. And, uh, and then we got fifth mm. and that was it. Like we were bought in and yeah. So. I'm interested in, uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but that balance between like authority figure and relationship, I think about that a lot like, right now. Cause like I, I have ambitions of being a head coach one day and I don't know, being an assistant's a little bit different because you're not necessarily that, that head guy, the person that they're really looking to, to be, um, you know, making a lot of decisions and being the authority. Um, but I also like know when I, when, and if I step into a head coaching role, like my main motivation is like, I want them to run as fast as possible. Yes. But like, even more than that, I want to, I don't know, be a positive role model in their life and want them to succeed outside of running outside of, um, you know, when they leave, I want to hear in 10 years that they're, they're doing well. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, that balance of being an authority and disciplinarian, but also relational. Yeah. I think you're right on Josh. I think that's, if you got that, um, foundation, um, you, number one, you're a program, you're going to learn good coaching too. But if you've got that foundation, I, I think you're going to be a good coach because that's what I try to do. And it also feels like you're cheating. It almost feels like you're lying to yourself because I don't think you're going to have true success if you don't have what you just said, hmm. because they're going to see right through it. They're going to think you only like them because they run fast. And they're mm -hmm. going to think you hate them when they don't. I got that right now um, with a couple of girls. And so this isn't a woe is me. I, I'm doing fine. But my wife lost her godfather, one of her uncles this, mm -hmm. this year. I lost my one of my uncles that I just talked about who helped get me into running. He mm -hmm. passed away. And each of us lost a grandma. Wow. And so all that happened this year. And I know my relationship wasn't as good with my team as it had been in the past. Mm -hmm. And so... I think you're right. You have to have that. That's my opinion. And I think you have to walk a close line. Coach Weinheimer and I talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Where is that line? And how do you, you know, what do you do? Um, I don't know if I can answer for you. My guess is I've, I've crossed it mm -hmm. because we do talk. And I, I think if you've set the tone in other ways, though, I don't think authority figure will be a problem. Mm -hmm. But I think you gotta, you've got to draw your lines. Like I do tease them. Like I talked to them about their boyfriends and the guys mm -hmm. I joke with them now, my son's on a team and, you know, we did the whole programs together this year. Mm -hmm. um, so I do tease the guy some and, and all that, but I think, um, are you, are you a teacher? I'm not actually, no. Okay. So for me, one of the things that lets them see me as an authority figure is they see me in a classroom, right? Mm -hmm. Like that helps. So that's yeah. it too. But um, I think you also draw the line, you walk away and you spend mm -hmm. time talking to the, like for us, our four coaches, you spend time talking together as a, as a staff and they see that. Mm. Um, we use messenger, you know, apps so that it's not just texting, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, you text them things, but you, you text them things on those apps that are appropriate, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they see that you just care about them and then they start to see you as the adult and then you don't really cross that line. Mm, for um, sure. You know, and 
you know, the language you use and things like that are important too, but. Yeah. Uh, what has it been like coaching girls as a guy? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't think about it a lot. Like I don't, you know, I, 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 you know, I can't go to locker room. Mm-hmm. So we, so we got to do our meetings at different places. Um, I, I'm a little bit more probably sensitive to their, to their like emotions than I was when I just coached, when I coached guys at Munster, mm. I probably took that older style of, I don't care about your emotions. Let's go run. Mm. I probably adapted more to the guys now where I pay attention a lot more to what their face looks like when they come out to practice and, and mm. are they dropping their shoulders and are they acting kind of off that day? Um, I, I don't know that I coach a lot different. Like I, I, it, you know what I've been really proud of. Um, and I hope this speaks about me as a coach, but it might not. We ran seven seniors through most of the year as varsity on the girl's side. Mm. And that just doesn't happen that frequently. Definitely. You know, you get freshmen that have a big impact. Um, you know, you get uh, sophomores that, that do it. And there was that old stereotype that was so incorrect about girls as they age, they, they weren't going to be as good. Mm. No, I think we just weren't training them right. Yeah, definitely. Honest. And um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I do, but I don't think of coaching girls. I just think of coaching runners and um, we set goals the same way and we're as aggressive the same way. And when we run against somebody, you know, between me and the girls, we're talking about beating them the same way as we would the guys. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't like so-and-so. Um, yeah, I mean, either, you know, we want to win. And we, do, <laughs> we do like them, but I mean, it's that competitive side. And um, I guess I, I do and I don't coach them like guys. Hmm. I, I coach them like I would want to be coached. Hmm. Absolutely. You know? There's a little bit more arm going around them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little bit more of that. And there's a little bit more of, of, um, you know, paying attention to their emotional side a little bit. But like I said, I do that more with the guys now too. Hmm. Um, so when everything was going on with your life outside of, of teaching and coaching, uh, like how were you able to coach as best as you could? And was there anything you learned that allowed you to, I don't want to say compartmentalize, but to no, stay present? It. Yeah, I, I, I compartmentalize a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my son was on a team this year and my, as a freshman and my daughter is an eighth mm-hmm. grader and she, she was running. And my wife is outstanding. My wife was actually, she was a varsity runner at Bradley. Mm. Uh, and so she knows everything too. Like she's fully supportive and on board and all that stuff. And so um, I, I was, I was probably a little bit more short tempered than I ever have been. Mm. And that probably hurt my relationships a little bit this year. Mm. And I probably owe some of these girls at our um, banquet, a big apology for that. Mm. Um, so that's where I noticed that crossing over a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I think that I've always just been good at compartmentalizing probably this comes from my parents, hmm. you know, um, here's the time that I'm going to focus on this and this is what I'm going to dedicate to it. And now I'm back in class and now I'm at practice and just able, able to switch hats. I think it's the old saying, right. Switch yeah. Hats. And, um, I, I, I run at practice with them some. Mm-hmm. I think that's also my outlet. And I also feed off their energy. They come out and have a good mood and they're happy and excited and that I am too. Mm. Um, so, um, and the coaching staff was, was great. 
Coach Key Faber on the boys staff. Um, you know, I could talk to him at lunch and things like that. And so, um, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'll probably think about it a lot more when we're done with our season. Mm. It'll probably hit me a lot more. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I think I don't know. Like compartmentalizing is kind of a, a double-edged sword a little bit. I feel like it can be, if you if you are able to stay engaged and focused in whatever you're working on. Like that's, I think that's a great tool for life. But then if you don't address what you're not looking at or not, or what you're compartmentalizing, then it can be, yeah, you know, that's where the double-edged sword comes in a little bit. It can be tough. It, you're right. And, you know, I have my moments and, and there was one this year, I did not get to go. Um, this is going to sound really bad, but, but I did not get to go to my uncle's. Um, they kind of did a celebration of life instead of the whole mm -hmm. funeral thing, sort of. And, I didn't get to go to it because it was on Saturday morning. It was on the same day as the Eagle classic. Mm. And um, it was going to be my son's first real varsity race because, or not varsity, but like high school race because our homie got lightninged out. Mm. And so, um, you know, I, I talked about it a lot with my parents and with the coaching staff and, and uh, with my wife and, and with my family, my uncle meant the world to me. Mm. Um, he, if, if somebody, my dad would hate this. It wasn't so much my dad that made me want to end up being a teacher. It was probably my uncle. Mm. My uncle was a teacher and he wasn't married at the time. So he lived in a cool trailer by himself. <laughs> he had a, um, what did he have? Did he have a, he had a Trans Am or a Corvette or something. And he had a motorcycle mm. and he had a record collection. You guys don't even know what record collection was. And he had all <laughs> that stuff. And he was the coolest guy in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, this probably wasn't true, but I, I imagined at the time he had like 20 girlfriends and stuff like that. <laughs> like he was the coolest <laughs> guy. And, um, you know, and he's the one who passed away. And I, I went to the meet and I, I thought that it was really important that my son race. Um, my mm. uncle was a coach. I knew my uncle would understand and driving home. Um, now I got to hold it together here. Like driving home, my son fell asleep, but he got his first varsity race. I'm driving him to the house. I keep saying varsity, just his first high school race. And he mm -hmm. ran well and he enjoyed it. And our girls mm -hmm. did well and our boys did well. And um, I just had this piece though, that like, I knew I made the right decision. Like my mm -hmm. uncle would have said, don't come here, mm -hmm. go do what you're doing. And, you know, so I, running has been such a part of my family that I think like my grandma would have said the same thing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, my grandma passed away right after, but like I, right after the season. So I, I was a part of all that, but uh, my grandma would have said the same thing. Hmm. you know my grandma when I told her last year the girls won um she's like oh well, that's just lovely <laughs> you know like <laughs> you know and I'm like yes I felt like it was uh, if anybody's watched that movie Happy Gilmore I felt like that um I was like yes grandma that, that was lovely you know <laughs> and um and so um so it's just that that being a, such a part of my life athletics being such a part of my life and my mm -hmm. family's life and my grandma's life and all that that um that makes it a lot easier too. So anyway. For sure. I think this is our first time, like I think ever talking at least at length. And I don't know, it's been pretty easy to see how like relational you are, how much relationships mean a lot to you, whether it be family or your girls, your guys, your, I guess your kids, other coaches. Um, I definitely see how like the loss of, of close family could spill over into other areas of life. I could, I see how important that is to you. Yeah. And it's funny, a girl brought this to my attention kind of last year. We had to talk about it. Um, Catherine Rumsey, which is one of our great success stories. 
Catherine at one point couldn't break seven minutes in a mile. And wow. she's running at Purdue now. She ran in a Big Ten as a freshman. She ran a Big Ten championships um, for them. I think she was seventh wow. on her team. And um, she was, um, she just missed, I think she just missed a medal individually, but she was on our four by eight last year that was runner up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, Catherine toward the middle of track season, we kind of had some conversation that sort of went like, well, are you going to start being mean to me too? I'm like, what do you mean mean to you? She goes, well, you start getting mean to the seniors because you know, we're leaving. And, and so you're mean to us. And I, and I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, you were mean to McKenzie last year. I'm like, what do you mean mean? So I started talking about it. And we kind of discovered that I kind of put up this wall during track for my seniors because I'm going to miss them. Mm. I mean, we might spend, I mean, we might spend 1200 days together. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I'm working on that, but you talk about like relationships and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, it's hard. Like it's, I didn't really realize, and now it's probably true that I, I really love these kids and it's hard to say Mm. bye to them. And so, um, relationships are a big, big deal. I, I, um, when I left Munster, um, I, I had accepted the position down here and we had agreed to postpone telling them because it was going to be right before the sectional and it was mm. going to be a really close sectional. And I didn't want the girls going into the sectional having just lost their coach in their mind. Mm. And, um, so, you know, the AD here at the time agreed to put it off a little bit. Um, but, um, I did have to tell some people at Munster what was going on so that they knew and, um, word kind of got out and I got a call <laughs> at like nine 30 or 10 o'clock at night. Um, two days before the sectional, the two nights before. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls said, coach, are you leaving? Oh, I said, well, yes. And why don't, why don't we just meet tomorrow morning? Mm-hmm. So they found out the day before the sectional and the relationships we built, there were tears, mm-hmm. but there wasn't any anger. It wasn't like, let's go show him and let's win a sectional despite coach Luter. Or it wasn't, let's go, let's go lose it because that a-hole's leaving anyway. <laughs> it was, um, it was, um, I got a poster somewhere that I keep in my house. Um, once a Mustang, always a Mustang. And um, they, they wrote that for me mm. and it, it was awesome. Like it was, they were just happy and hugs and we understand why. And um, so those relationships mean a lot. Yeah. So, anyway absolutely um a little bit more about the the transition to columbus north how you can share as much or as little as you want but how much different was your training coming in and what uh what exactly do you guys do yeah you know in some respects it's kind of it was really cool having coach weinheimer here this year um because i could we could compare a lot and um in high school i was on probably a lot like Colin there at at Carmel. Um, I was on my coach's version of Pavo. Mm. And so um, I don't think Colin would like me saying that maybe, but it was like my version of my, so I had a background in what Pavo meant, but obviously coach Weinheimer did it a little different here Mm -hmm. at North and um, coming back this year made me realize it's not that much different. I might Mm. call it a tempo run, but it was geared to doing the same thing. And they were Mm -hmm. scary close in their distances. (laughs) So I would call it like, I use Jack Daniels a lot, terminology. So we will do marathon pace or we will do threshold. Okay. And it's not much different than his long and short PPMs. 
Um, marathon pace is shorter, so we'll go longer. Mm -hmm. um, and we might, guys might get up to, um, I, I'm not sure. I got to go back and look 100%. Might have some guys get the seven miles. Okay. Um, but a lot in the five, six range. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we go down the threshold, it's more like 30 minutes or, you know, three to four and a half miles, mm -hmm. um, guys and girls. Um, I do, the guys will do a little bit more, but we're both racing 5k. Mm -hmm. So we don't do a ton different. Like our girls aren't what I would say is high, high mileage, but our workouts are mm. like our girls might do 8k of threshold running on, on that kind of day. Mm. So they might do eight times a thousand, um, with, with, you know, um, a 400 jog, something like that. Then okay. the recovery days get shorter. Okay. Um, where the guys might stay a little bit longer on the recovery days. Yeah. Um, so, so we do that and then we are on the track. Um, well, I say on the track, that's, that's my phrase for something a little bit more VO two ish. Okay. Right. And so we do four hundreds. Um, we'll do them on the grass. Sometimes we'll come to the track. Um, it was funny cause I have experimented back and forth. Um, Steve Magnus and a couple of those guys are some other, the cliche guys that a lot of coaches are reading. Right. Right. Um, and so we would mess around. Sometimes we do standing recovery. Sometimes it's jogging. Um, and then this, the last two years, we've gotten into a lot of continuous. Hmm. Um, so we do some race pace. We do some two Ks, longer repeat, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but it's that general philosophy of, it really just goes back to, I really do believe it's just, you need to do something for every system that you believe the body operates off of. Hmm. And we operate basically on a two week cycle, um, mm -hmm. but something's present all the time. Mm. And so, you know, if it's marathon pace, that's a big oxygen delivery day. Um, if it's 400s on the track, that's definitely for delivering, you know, forcing the, the muscles to get blood in there and learn to flush out and deal with it and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, that that's kind of our program, really. If you grab Jack Daniel's book, um, <laughs> Pardon me. Let me. So I got it right here. You know, it's right beside me at all times. Um, and so I'm always looking at it. I'm always using it. Um, we use his pace charts with some small adaptations. Um, Jeff Waiten, who used to be at Rose Holman and now he's at DePaul um, in Chicago. He's a guy who um, he's helped me a lot with kind of altering, you know, making it fit um, just in terms of like what, what paces really should be hit the most. Hmm. Um, we use that, um, critical velocity pace okay. comes from Tin Man originally. Yeah. Um, and, and I would love to say, cause that sounds like that's really picking up steam. I've been using that for a while. So I was on that <laughs> bandwagon, uh, early. Um, so, so if I was giving you two weeks, um, I might have to jot this down at the same time. Um, so we might do let's say we didn't race. So Monday, Monday might be, um, probably be the hardest day of the week. Um, uh, so yeah. Monday would probably be, um, threshold and threshold might look like eight times a thousand at its peak, or it might be four miles where, um, Julia Kiesler got down to five thirty-five. Wow finishing her run at 535. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesday is a double day for us. We meet in the morning, meet in the afternoon for our oldest kids. Wednesday then is not going to be as intense. It might be marathon pace. Mm 
Okay. And for um, for Mateo Mendez and and those guys that were all state, Clayton Guthrie ran 1504 this year. Um, they're running that marathon pace, um, 545 for the okay. bulk of the season, and that might be somewhere between five and six and a half miles. Okay. Something like that. And then if we don't uh, race that weekend, I am so lucky. I live out on this seven mile circle around a big lake that we've mm. counted. You're either going up or down like 49 to 50 times. It's just okay. constant. Um, <laughs> and um, we, we have a perfect 400 meter hill. And we'll do 400 meter repeats on the hill up and down. Okay. Or we'll do the seven mile loop with a long run mixed in, you know. Okay. So, and then the next week we'll add in CV pace instead of threshold. So okay. one pops out for the other and then, um, and then back to a tempo and then probably racing. Okay. And we count racing as VO2. Okay. We should be going all out. Racing is all out. We don't do a lot of strategy racing or that kind of stuff. Go race. Okay. That was another Bob Kennedy one too. If you're going to race, go race. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, what have you learned about recovery? Um, that's something I've been thinking, like contemplating a lot, especially like, like days between workouts, intensity of workouts, things like that. Not much. That's my biggest area that I need to grow on. I'll be mm. honest. I've, I probably run them too hard. Mm. I, I let them go. Um, to be honest, our girls run faster, almost literally they run faster. They definitely do figuratively than our guys do on easy days. Hmm. It's not uncommon for our girls to go out and finish an easy day at seven finish, not start out, but finish. And I'm like, girls, you're breathing kind of hard. Yeah, it was six fifty eight. <laughs> now they don't do that all the time, but that's not yeah. that uncommon. Um, where our guys will come cruising back in. I'm like, guys, what'd you average? Not seven Oh four, you know, seven fifteen. Yeah. you know, um, now there are a lot of days that aren't that our girls might be closer to eight minutes or that, but, but, um, I'm not good at that. And so, um, I'm trying to learn more about it. I really am not sure. Um, coach Weinheimer had this discussion with me the other day. Um, cause our girls went to Nike, uh, NX, NXR and ran really well. If you look at our results, um, Lily Baker has a hamstring injury, so she did not run and we mm -hmm. still finished eighth and we had PRs and, and really good performances. Um, had Lily been there, I think we would have been fourth or fifth. Wow. Um, we ran phenomenal. So the question was, how do we get a more relaxed at the state meet? What did we do mm. at the state meet that wasn't good? Or did I not give them enough rest? Mm. And yeah. we, weren't, we weren't ready. Um, I'm going to go with A. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then it's not my fault. Um, but to answer your question, Josh, I don't want to keep talking on this part. I don't know. I, I try to give them more. And we definitely even go, like, if we do a really hard killer workout, the next one is not as hard. It's purpose training a different system anyway. Yeah. You know, so we're training a, a different system. Um, so I think it's really hard to say that I've mastered recovery. I'm not sure I have. Yeah. Our girls only do a six day cycle. Okay. Like they never run seven days a week. Okay. Um, our guys pretty much run seven. Um, younger guys, we give days off, but, but um, yeah, I don't know when, when you, when you get some more on that, please let me know. Yeah. Because uh, that's, that's a big one for us. Absolutely. I think something else I've noticed, um, especially for a school that has like a superstar, like a Cole or like a Clayton, it's for recovery days. It's like you can't tell them to run alone 
or like some of the younger guys who want to be good or, or even are good, but just aren't at that level yet. Like they want to run, you know, with Cole um, and he's going 630 pace, chatting it up, you know, and these other kids, yep. they're not killing themselves, but that's, that's not a true easy pace for a lot of them. Yeah. So that's a, that's another tough thing on a, especially on a bigger high school team or even a smaller team that has, you know, a really good runner. Um, you know, the high schoolers want to be around each other and run with each other. Yeah, no, you're right. And um, I kind of had to separate a few of our girls. I mean, you know, we had two girls run uh, 1717 and 1730. Mm. And they did that on legit courses. I mean, the the one was at Brown County and the other was at Terre Haute. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, you know, those girls, at some point, they probably can't be running with a girl whose PR is 21 minutes, not much. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. And and, um, uh, one of the things that, that, I did change over time is um, early on when they were freshmen and sophomores, we ran harder on our easy days. Hmm. And, and I just, I, I was okay with that because the, the trade out I thought was they were building such an aerobic base that I was willing to make the workouts a little less volume or change the parameters of it a little bit in order to kind of get the whole pile to be bigger and better. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But then as they got faster and as they needed more volume and they needed to do faster workouts, then I had to force them to run a little bit slower. Hmm. So it's kind of like a sliding scale. It's almost like red shirting them while we were going. Hmm. And then to your point, I have, I have worried that we haven't developed our current freshman, sophomore class because our seniors were almost intimidating. Hmm. I mean, 17, 17, 17, 30, 18, 13, you know, 1855, 1858, uh, 1856. And you you got a freshman class who's like, Oh, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I can't run with them. I ran, you know, 2010, um, which is remarkable by itself. Um, and so our, our younger girls did not want to go run with them. It was kind of the opposite Mm. and I didn't force it. And now I'm forcing it. Mm -hmm. Like you're in 1930, go, go run with them. You can run their pace. You know, we're not racing every day right now. It's, it's December. Um, so, so yeah, you're right. And ours was almost the other way where I, I let it go too far where mm. I didn't let them, I just let them do their own thing and they weren't learning from like, can you imagine going to run with Cole and hearing all his stories? Yeah. You know, um, hearing his stories from East Bay last year. Yeah. Things like that. Like that's something those kids need to hear. Yeah. Um, but not when it's going to hurt their run the next day. I know that's like so, the, it's the trade-off. Yep. Um, I actually, I really like the, I don't know, and it depends on the level of the athlete, but I really like the six day program, uh, at least like for my own training, I've been doing just six days and even more than just like the day for the body to rest. Like I find the mental reset to be like really refreshing. Like just a day where I don't have to think about running. I find by the end of that day, I'm just like ready to get after it for the yeah. other six days. Um, but obviously if you're getting up, you know, I'm only hitting 40, 50, nothing like crazy, but if you're getting any higher than that, it's hard to do that all on six days. Yeah. I mean, our girls are seniors this year and it's been a progression up. Um, you know, they, they spent a lot of time around 40, mm-hmm. um, well, 40 off six, you know, you're almost hitting seven a day and that can yeah. work. Um, so, um, yeah, you're right. And it's good to have that day off. Um, they got high school, they got family. 
man, I struggle with this a lot. We ask so much of our kids here at North and their parents mm-hmm. um, that it's like, I think that they, they need to be told it's okay to have Sunday to go do whatever. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. Um, so I guess now that you've been, how long have you been at, at North? This is my fifth year. Fifth year. Okay. Um, how has it been so far? You talked a little bit about the transition, but what have been some highlights, some key moments so far? Yeah, no, just, you know, finally, like we didn't do a camp at Munster and, um, we were all set to do our first summer camp that next year, but then I, I took this job. Um, so summer camps are so great. Um, if you, um, if you're a school out there who can do it, if you're a coach who's willing to do it, it asks a lot, but you, summer camps are where teams, I think are made. Like it really Mm. helps so much. You can be great without them. Absolutely. But I would think you're going to be better if you can do them. Mm. So some of my key moments, they're all about summer camp. Um, you know, that's, that's a big deal. That's where you form those relationships and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they get to see you in a different light too, Mm because now they see you like, you know, you're, you're watching out for them and you're making big decisions when storms come in and, and (laughs) you're helping cook food and you're doing all those things. So, um, that's a big one for me, obviously, um, success for us was, that was important from the aspect of building this and making sure we didn't drop off. Hmm. Yeah. You know, um, making sure we didn't fall just, you know, back. Um, and I mean, I got a bunch of key, you know, moments and memories. A lot of them are just personal with each kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, um, probably the coolest one and it doesn't have as much to do with what it's going to sound like it is. But when we won last year, and I, I didn't want to be that guy who came on here and kept saying we won, but I think that's my third or so reference. So <laughs> this will be the last one. <laughs> but um, I had two moments that, that will stay with me forever. And you can see this one back here. I, I have one of the pictures up on the wall um, of, of our team. And that was the year we got thir- third. And um, we got done and my coach was coach McNichols and he, he was the vision of that course at Laverne Gibson. That was mm. his name. That was his thing. Um, and I was there in college when it was built. So mm. I, I have ran on it from its inception. Mm. And, and so, um, I mean, I was out there running on it when it was a dirt mounds. Right. And, um, mm. I got done and we got on a metal stand and they put this uh, piece up there. That's got his autograph on it. And it's called the John McNichols awards stand. And I started crying. Mm. Right. And that was a big one for me. Um, now I'm going to try to avoid it now, but, um, <laughs> but that was a big one. Um, just thinking like all those people who had supported me, all those mm. people who gave this kid a chance, who gave this, you know, five foot five redheaded kid from nowhere, Indiana. I literally, my, my high school's in Farmersburg, Indiana. <laughs> right. Um, and so coming from there, that was a big moment for me to just realize how grateful I needed to be and how appreciative I was of getting this opportunity. Um, and then the second one was coming back from the state meet last year. And um, we had parents organize a police and fire uh, escort. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fun. And I'm recording it on my phone, which is about to die. And I'm recording it and I'm sitting there thinking, not 
holy cow, we just want to stay title. I'm sitting there thinking, these girls are never, ever going to forget this. Mm. They're leaning out the windows and they're screaming and people are coming out of restaurants and <laughs> they don't even know why they're yelling, but they're yelling back to the bus. And, awesome. um, and it was the best. And it had nothing to do with as much winning as it did like, holy cow, we created this. Mm. We created this moment that they're going to love forever. And we came back and I'm going to get fired. We jumped in the pool, <laughs> which is like a big no-no because <laughs> mm -hmm. there was no lifeguard. And we jumped in the pool and we, and we did all that stuff here at the school. <laughs> and um, I'm going to remember that. Like those are moments that go so much above me on just winning or just mm. getting a medal or, or that, um, you know, those girls 20 years from now, they're going to come back to here before I retire. And, um, that's what we're going to talk about. Mm. You know? I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Cool. Um, we've been going for a while. I don't want to keep you all night. Um, before we go to the coach's corner and then a few other questions to wrap up. Um, is there anything else that we, we missed about your beginnings, coaching, anything? No, I, I just think like this kind of will transition maybe into that. Um, mm -hmm. I just think it's really important that, you know, that, that I got all these opportunities and I didn't, I hope I took advantage of them. Mm. You know, I mean, I got a coach who this is probably illegal as can be, but, but the statute of limitations is worn out. I got a coach who um, sold bubble gum and um, at, at school, he was my, he was my, our math teacher. He sold bubble gum to kids um we collected aluminum cans and turned them in and he paid for half of my um fee to go to the pavo west camp for two weeks oh wow you know and so we got to go, i got to go to the pavo west camp and i got to meet coach weinheimer and i got to be around these kids who were doing all these different things across the state and across the country mm. um and then i got you know my coach um was you know he was learning about pavo at the very beginning so he was teaching us about different ways to train and then you know, my coach at Indiana State would talk about all his experiences. He got to know, he ran for Sam Bell at IU. So I got all the IU guys training. Anyway, I could ramble, but I just, I really love that I got to, I mean, I got to hang out with Bob Kennedy and I got to meet mm. Todd Williams, who was an Olympian. And I got to meet Terry Brom, who was an, like, I could name drop, but I'm not name dropping as much as I'm saying, like, if you get chances to take advantage of those opportunities, take advantage of them. Mm. So that sometime you're here at school and you're a teacher or you're doing whatever, you're not a teacher, but you're a coach. And you're talking to the coaches at Avon and the coaches at Lake Central and the coaches at Munster. And, and you just build those relationships so you can always learn more and more about the sport. Mm, so. I love that. And I know, I know you've mentioned along the way that you've had like lucky breaks and there's definitely is a, a luck component to life um, as is anything, but I think you're right. Like you've, you made the most of your opportunities and you stayed ready for when those doors open. Um, yeah. To make the most of them. So that's cool. All right. So coach's corner, got a couple of questions for you. Um, some of these we may have touched on already. Um, you can add a little bit to it or we can keep moving. But first question is what advice would you have for coaches making the transition from another level of coaching to high school, whether it be from middle school up, college down, et cetera? Yeah, I, I would say don't change your expectations. Like have good expectations, but realize that you are definitely with a different group. Hmm. 
you know, so um, coming from middle school to high school, can they handle more? Can they, yeah, they, they can, but they still might be out there for different reasons. Um, and if you're coming from college to high school, um, don't lower your standards or expectations. You just may have to, you may have to stair step it to get to that point. Mm. Um, you know, it, you know, somebody wrote on a message board, which I, I completely disagree with. And whoever this person was, if they listen to this, don't get mad at me, but someone, someone wrote on there. Um, it's easy to, it's easy to do well when you hand somebody the keys, to the, or it's easy to keep it on the road when you get the keys to the Cadillac or something like that. Mm. Come down here. It's, it's November 21st. We had full practice tonight. Um, I got 40 some kids that I'm keeping involved. Um, mm. I, I don't need what was me, but set your expectations high and just slowly work to get there. Mm. Um, no matter where you're at, if you, if you just took over at, um, what's a really tiny high school in Indiana, Farmersburg. North Central Farmersburg, where I came from, <laughs> right? North Central Farmersburg, have high expectations. Tell them you want to qualify for the semi-state. Tell them you expect that we're going to get there. And then show them how you're going to get there hmm. um, and just be ready for all kinds of kids at different levels, but convince them to be a better, just try hmm. to try to convince them that you can do it. Hmm. And don't great. tell me you can't because I did it at my tiny high school. Mm-hmm. Um, like I did it. My coach did it for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can say that at Munster um, that we, you know, I, well, you were at a 15, 1500 person high school. Yeah. But we hadn't been on a podium. Hmm. And we got those kids convinced that we could win a state title and we came within 10 points of, hmm. right? So anyway, I didn't mean to get on something there, but keep those expectations high and, and just realize you may have to draw a line to get yourself there. Hmm. No, that's really great advice. Uh, what advice would you have for young head coaches starting out? Yeah. Read, learn, don't take it for granted. Um, I, I definitely, in some respects, I thought I knew so much mm. coming out of college. And then I, then I got to hang out with other people that knew way more than me. And that put mm. me down in my spot. And then, then I thought I knew even more. And then I got around high school coaches who were like, yeah, go ahead and try that. And come back and tell me how it fails, <laughs> you know, because, because they knew the high school setting. Um, so, so read and learn and go to clinics and ask questions and listen, like don't mm. come up with the next answer listen you know like Mm. i I would say almost every coach has something to give you and i know that sounds cliche but that every coach has something they can give you if you'll listen Mm. that's good uh what advice would you have for coaches of girls programs and specifically male coaches of girls programs yeah um i was gonna joke and say good luck um (laughs) I, i i think um I think create the relationships and then have high expectations and, um, and be ready for a little bit of emotion, but I think that gets overblown. I I do. I think that, I think that guys will be that way too. If you feel, if you form the relationships with them, Hmm. Um, you know, Hmm. and, and I got this great piece of advice and I think it applies to coaching girls a lot. Um, My dad told me when, when I went in to teaching, Cause I didn't want to remember. I said, I didn't want to, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to be different than him. And I asked him about it and he said, remember this kids want to be liked. Hmm. They want to be liked. They want you to like them. They want you to enjoy them and they want you um, to, to want to be around them. And the second part of that was you never know what happens when a kid leaves that day. Hmm. You don't know what their home life is like. You don't know what they go home to. You don't know any of that. And so start every day fresh. Hmm. 
So I don't, I, I try not to hold grudges. Um, it's not easy, right? High school kids can be rough and they can be mean. And um, I think one of Coach Weinheimer's favorite movies or books or whatever is Mean Girls. Um, <laughs> and, and they, but they just, they want to be liked. They want you to respect them. And, and I try to do that every day. And if you can do that, probably doesn't matter what gender you're coaching, they're going to respond to you. Mm, that's good. Uh, what would you say the balance is between good training and good culture? Um, I, I struggle with this a little bit because I think they have to go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. If you don't have good training, they're not going to get good results, right? Like, you know, to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you don't have good results, you can have the best culture in the world and you may not get the buy-in on the flip side. If you don't have a culture set there, they're not going to buy into the training because they're not Mm going to want to be there. They're not going to see the value in hard work. They're not going to see the value in being an everyday person. They're not going to see the value of coming out here if I don't get the immediate reward for it. Mm. So I think to me, they, you just work one at a time. Mm-hmm. Like I do this, then I'm going to come back and touch this. So mm-hmm. a good analogy, I think, is very few coaches are going to ramp up the intensity and the volume at the same time. Mm. Yeah, You're going to do a little bit of both. And I think that's what you do with culture and, and training. Mm-hmm. When, when your culture gets to a point, you can change the training a little bit. Mm-hmm. when your training gets to that point, they get more success. You can change the culture a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do think that's true. Um, and I think it's cheating. I, I think it's cheating when you get a good culture because um, you're going to run fast when you have a good culture. Mm-hmm. You just are. So I sometimes wonder, am I really doing the culture? I'm going to say what some coaches are probably thinking. I don't know if I'm doing the culture because it's the right thing to do or because I know it makes them run faster too. <laughs> Yeah. I'll say, I'll say what other coaches might be thinking. That's funny. Um, yeah. But it has to be fun for me too. Mm-hmm. And it's no fun for me if we got a crappy culture and they don't want to be there. So. Yep. Yeah. That, that's really great. I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely, they go hand in hand. Like you said, you got to raise one with the other, but also good culture does lead to fast times as well. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this is something we kind of, talked about at length, but if you want to add anything, you can, um, what's the balance of coaching or yeah, the balance of coaching in a way where athletes feel comfortable approaching you, but they also respect your authority. Yeah. I I don't know how much more to add to that. Um, I think for some of them, it takes the first time you got to help them with something tough. Mm. And then I think those stories float around the locker room. Mm -hmm. So I think when they see that you're genuine, um, I would hope that the kids on the team and the kids in my class think I'm genuine. Hmm. I hope they don't think that I'm just fake. Mm-hmm. I just told you my culture was fake so we could win, but, um, <laughs> but um, no, that's a terrible, that's a terrible line. I, you can edit yeah. that, um, but, but no, um, I, I do. I think once they see you're genuine, then I think then it's okay. Like they're, you're not going to cross the line. They're not going to cross the line and you've got that relationship built. Yeah. I think like, Oh, go ahead. Like, they're not going to come up to me and tell me about their boyfriend problems, but they're going to come up and tell me if they broke up. Mm, right. And that's a good, that's a good balance, I think is a good example. Yeah. So. Um, I think, especially as a head coach, with as much time as you spend with your athletes, like, you can't hide the whole time. You know, if you're spending three, four hours a day, you know, yep. year round, they'll know who you, who you really are. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope so. Right. Yeah. And yeah. 
All right. Next question is how, what advice would you have for developing a winning culture? Yeah, I think you got to start with the individual and convince that individual that their success has to be tied to team success. Like you can't, you're not going to have that if they're not together. Mm. Right. So one of the things we talked about a lot this year that we think we might've been missing was that buy-in that the flying C is super important. Mm. You know, that being part of that is there. And so you, you're not going to necessarily have one without the other. It's kind of like culture and training. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you're going to be, you can be a superstar, but I, I guarantee you, cause I see it in, in Cole's behavior there at Carmel mm -hmm. that he loves his team. Absolutely. And he loves being around it. And so, um, I think that that winning culture has to come from individual success. That's true. But an individual seeing that I'm part of something bigger mm. than just me. And I think you also have to tell the kids what winning means. What does winning mean? Like, what are you supposed to get out of this workout? Like mm. you can win that day. You can win that workout. Mm. And if you're at, what school did you say? Uh, when I said a small school and I kind of talked over you. Oh, I said farmers, right? Yeah. Farmers are okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so let me take, um, let me take coach Brunner up at Oak Hill, mm -hmm. which is kind of a medium, small school. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And he wants to develop a winning culture. He's going to have to start out by, by convincing kids that potentially at the beginning, getting second in his conference meet was a win. Mm. We did something great. Like we've never, we haven't gotten second in six years. Mm -hmm. And then he, then slowly he's going to convince them. And now they're winning conference a lot. And mm -hmm. they're continuing, they're continuous for an opportunity to go to state meet or individuals going to state meet and all those kind of things. So mm -hmm. I think that developing a winning culture starts with getting them to believe they can getting them to see that their success is part of the team success. Mm. And it has to be right. Like, um, and then I think you do a lot of stuff at camp that just gets them excited about being there mm. um, because you're not going to start it overnight, right? Like I definitely don't want to go down this road because we've already been going for a while, but like I, right now, the small school versus big school stuff is big in our state. Mm -hmm. And I came from the small school. And um, when I left there, if you guys go back, if people go back and look at North Central Farmersburg, when I left there, um, we had a string of guys who made it to state and were top 10 mm -hmm. were all state. They did better than I ever did. Uh, they went and ran at Purdue and, and some other big schools. Um, and that started with seeing some success, hmm. right? It wasn't because of me. Cause I was gone before they ever got there. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't anything there about me at all. Right. But, but the group that was there saw, Oh man, he made it. Let's see if we can get together and be all conference next year. Hmm. And on it. So start small. If you're going from nothing. Right. You mm -hmm. just have to start small. And, you know, I, I this is another thing about that, that bothered me a little bit about giving the keys to the Cadillac and they can keep it on the road. I do a lot of this. I did a lot of this on my own. And you're going to have to. Mm. I bought mm. sub six T-shirts for girls on my own. Mm. And when they broke six minutes, they got a shirt. I bought that on my own money. If my wife knew how much money I spent on our team when I first got down here or when I was a monster, that'd be a big fight. Um, so you have to go out and do things to make that winning culture. You do, you have to, as a coach mm. and, you know, I don't care if we have five classes down the road, you won't be successful in any of them. If you don't try to build that and you're going to have to do that yourself. Mm. That's good. So, I really like that. We talked about belief. Like, I think, I don't know, even us as adults, like when we're challenged or when, when goals are set before us or when people yeah, you just believe in us more than we even believe in ourselves at, at times. Like it, 
it's crazy what you can accomplish, how much that can motivate you. All right. Yeah, it, it is. It has to be intrinsic. It has to be like coming from me. Like mm-hmm. I want to do well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question. Um, what advice would you give for coaches or even adults who are working, um, who want to pursue running like on their own time or still have goals or things like that? Um, that question makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard. Um, a piece of advice, advice I got from, from, um, a couple people actually is when you decide to go into coaching, your competitive side may have to take a big backseat. Mm. And it, it, it's kind of hard to swallow. Um, and, and that's not like a hundred percent true, but, but it depends what your goals are running. Like you want to quite qualify for Boston marathon. Great. That you probably, you can do that and keep it going. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but if you're wanting to run 1359 and be a head coach of a, of a, um, you know, a state contending team, that's gonna be really hard. It just mm-hmm. is. Um, so I think like you would just have to adjust your goals. What becomes a good goal? Mm-hmm. Like mine right now, I have ran every day since June 9th, 2000, no, June 14th, 2009. Wow. How long is that? Long Something time. like that. Yeah. I've just years. been running every day since then. Um, and that became my running goal. I just get out and I make sure I run it. I, I try to run three miles minimum, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just, I get out and run. I just so get out and do it. Have you never been injured? Like, um, not anything like that. I, I, mm-hmm. my wisdom teeth, I, I had them taken out <laughs> as an adult. I ran that morning before I went in and I ran that next night at like 11 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and I love the sport. There were a lot of times I got off the bus at Munster and it's pitch dark. It's cold. We went to some HSR qualifier and I ran a mile at like five degrees around the school, five, okay. five degrees outside. I, all the kids are home. It's nine 30 at night. And I ran a mile around the school. You know, <laughs> um, some people are calling the, uh, the police there at Munster telling, yeah. you know, go check out the school. Cause some idiots running around it. Um, I ran in a hotel room in Vegas for my it, birthday once with a bunch of friends. I ran all on the upper floor of the Flamingo and I ran <laughs> uh, for 10 minutes to call it a mile. Oh my um, God. And so um, you may just have to change your goals, I think. Mm-hmm. And people aren't going to want to hear that maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But like my assistant coach this year, totally dedicated to the team, totally in on everything. And she just wanted to get another Boston qualifier. So she did the bare minimum to get herself in shape to do that mm. because she was still giving everything else to the team. Yeah. And she hit, she hit it the monumental with all that wind and everything. So, wow. That's impressive. So I think it's probably just adjusting your goals. Yeah. That's good advice. This is a probably a, a selfishly included question. Cause it's something I've been thinking a lot about recently. Like I said, I want to be a head coach eventually. Um, and it's nice because assistant coaching really lends itself to be able to run with the guys. Yep. Um, I'm still in like decent shape. Like I can run with the top guys on their easy days, but and I don't get lapped on the workouts, <laughs> which I'm very proud of. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I just couldn't imagine really. Cause I, when I, when and if I become a head coach, I want to be all in um, like yep. you're describing and I just between work and coaching and, life it's just that'd be impossible it seems like and you'll read about those guys who do that and run crazy stuff right mm-hmm. like they wake up at four in the morning and go yeah. for a 10 mile run and things like that but um 
And I think the other thing that makes it easy for me to say what I just said was because I'm also older now. Mm. Like my competitive side's not as close to me. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe it's easier for me to say, give up your competitive side because I'm, I don't have any of that left in my legs. But. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, I got a couple, a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, so you recently joined Mile Split as an editor, I believe. Um, how has that been working with them and just contributing to Indiana Distance Running in a different way? Yeah, I took that on last year, like literally the first day of the season, like August mm-hmm. 1st last year, I, I took that job and um, I took it all last year through the state meet and track. Um, and it was fun, but it, it got too much. Mm. Um, when you start thinking about wife, two kids, uh, head coach of girls cross country team, head coach of boys and girls track team. Um, this year we were so blessed. I mean, I, we didn't even talk about the track side, but you know, I had Tucker Smith on our roster who was right. the, is one of the best athletes the state's ever had. Um, so I'm measuring, you know, phone calls from this and that. And it was really fun. It was really fun to contribute. It was just too much. Mm. And so I, I dropped that role this year. Um, but it was really fun. It was really fun to contribute um, and get to meet people. And, you know, we did stuff like this for the sectionals, regionals, semi-state state going to state meet last year. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. We previewed each one. Um, but yeah, it, it was really fun, really fun. It's just too much. For me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are your thoughts on the state of Indiana cross country? kind of a big question but yeah um i'll give you two quick ones and i've been lucky enough to be heavily involved through the um iat ccc the coach association Mm. um number one on the performance side it's just about as good as it's ever been Mm. and here's some of the best male and female deepest fields that we've ever had the girl side i mean you know um julia kiesler i think she's ranked like ninth on incc stats all time Mm -hmm. and she was fourth in the state meet yeah. I mean, that's insane. I mean, she ran 17, 17 and didn't even sniff a state title. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, on the guy side, Cole and the depth, how many guys were sub 15, 10 this year or mm-hmm. sub 15, 20, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the performance side, it's, it's really, really strong. And then on the flip side, the percentage of schools, not fielding teams at the sectional level is not good. Mm-hmm. And I'm really worried about that. Mm -hmm. Um, because that means kids aren't getting all those fun things that you and I've talked about for the last two hours, right? They're not getting camp. They're not getting t-shirts. They're not getting coaching mentorship. They're not getting friendships. Um, and that that's worrisome to me, um, because you can sit around and think it'll never happen to our sport that numbers will drop, but they're dropping. Mm. Do you have any, my sectional, yeah, my sectional had five girls teams in it this year. That's it. That, oh, no, four, four. One team didn't even qualify. Hmm. We didn't even give a spot away. Wow. Have so, you thought about, uh, like, solutions? Um, so last year, and again, you know, we've been talking for a while. I don't want to go so long that people don't want to listen to it. But last year, <laughs> yeah. I emailed every coach on behalf of the Coaches Association. I emailed every school, every coach boys and girls who did not field a team of five. Mm. And I asked them to complete a survey for me. And we put a lot of work the IATCC did into trying to figure out what we can do to help. Mm. And we put some things in place and and we've done, try to do some things at our clinics, um, small school presentations, things like that. Um, So to me, I, I don't know. 
I don't know what the solution is. I really don't. You know, people talk about class, but class is going to help those programs that are there now. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But if you got a team right now that's fielding two girls or three boys, I, I don't know that you're going to see immediate overnight that they have seven kids come out. Mm -hmm. um, sure. I hope it does. If we go that route, I hope it does. But I think there's bigger issues at play than just any one thing. You know, mm. I had coaches tell me overwhelmingly that soccer was hurting them. Mm. You know, and if we're looking at putting in lacrosse and we're looking at putting in men's volleyball, it's just going right. to pull more and more kids away. And if you look at Indiana schools, I, I'm going to be maybe just a little off here, but if you draw a line at 200, the 200th school, I think it's around 500 kids. Mm -hmm. We just don't have that. We just don't have the high school sizes to put in all kinds of sports and keep fielding great mm. teams at every high school. It, it, I'm scared. I'm worried. Mm. Yeah. And if class helps, let's go for it. Yeah. But I, I'm just worried that class might not be the only thing that helps. And I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. That is it. Yeah. Like you said, we, all the, the benefits and joys that running has brought both of us and, Everyone is, you know, enjoyed neon distance running. I don't know. It's it'd be tough to see the, the sport dwindle like you're describing. Um, yeah, but Brown County, Brown County High School, both those guys are great friends of mine. And if they listen to this, I don't want them to get mad at me. Great friends of mine. They haven't filled a girls team, and I don't, I don't know, one, two to three years, a full mm -hmm. five girls. Right. They've had a really good runner. Their top girl runner is amazing. And they, they, they can't get a team to come out. And they're great guys and good coaches from a school that's had a good background. Hmm. So if it can happen there, I mean, you know, what are we looking at? So it's, it's worrisome to me. Yeah. And like you said, there's just so many different factors contributing to that, whether it be other sports or even, I mean, we had the a small school panel on the last podcast. And um, I think someone mentioned even just post COVID, like sports, numbers across the board are going down just because they people are. are less less engaged with you know those kinds of activities yep but uh, attendance at school is going down yeah I mean, it's not just it's not just um the athletics but you're right covid plays an extra role um but i mean to those coaches who listen to this they're going to know this there's been schools that have been filling a girls freshman basketball team for like eight years mm. now yeah i mean if you're not getting girls to come out and play basketball in indiana I mean, yeah. the only thing that what's the old saying? There's more than corn in Indiana. It's, yeah, it's basketball. Yeah, and yeah. if we're not getting them to come out and play that, we're we're in trouble. So yeah, true. This feels like an issue. You can just keep peeling back the layers, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, we should do a, a part two of this sometime because I feel like we can keep going forever. Yeah, uh, I, I hope that I, I. The worry is that we went so long and nobody listens. I hope that's not the case. I know. I feel like. You know, maybe people will catch the first hour or so. I feel like there, you know, there's good good content throughout. But yeah, I think there's I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot of really good stuff. And I don't know, your your story was was cool to hear. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you doing this. Is there anything, anything else you want to share before we before we wrap up? No, you know what? One thing, well, I always hate that when somebody you ask a question, I say no and then answer it. Yeah. Um <laughs> one of the things, Josh, I, I want to thank you. Um, this is really important that people do this. You know, you asked me about mile split. You're contributing a ton to the sport right now. You're getting people to want to log on and listen, and you're getting people excited about it. And um, thank you. 
you know, um, it's a thrill for me to be on air and I'm just some guy in high school. Right. And so, um, thanks. And, and, you know, keep doing this. And, and, um, how old are you? Uh, 26. Not that, that matters, but okay. So look how much you got left to contribute to the sport, man. I'm, I'm impressed and, and I'm sure I'm going to see big things from you. So, um, I, I just appreciate that you're doing this and, um, caring about the sport and having fun doing it. So, so thank you um for putting us on and good questions and all that stuff so i yeah. really like it i appreciate that a lot um yeah i feel uh, a lot of the reason i did this was selfishly because i i feel like i'm getting a master class in, in coaching and i know getting it's been awesome to interview some of the best coaches and athletes that have come from our our state and like when i brought this idea to Colin, i didn't know like what to expect exactly um but it's been a lot of fun and like, I feel like I'm learning and growing even just as like a communicator and podcaster. Um, and I, I'm not like looking for affirmation in this, but like there's been a few people that have reached out and said kind words and that's been a ton, but you just like don't know how people are taking things or, you know, I know people are listening and you know, a decent amount of people are listening, but I appreciate you, you saying that it means, that means a lot. No, it is good. And, you know, it is, there, we do need affirmation. We don't get that as teachers and coaches that frequently. Um, and, you know, Josh, I'll say this to you and then I'll say it to anybody else. I love talking training. I love listening. So um, anybody out there ever wants to get a hold of me, you can find my email somewhere. It's all over the place. Um, I love talking training and coaching and culture and all that stuff. So cool. Awesome. Well, I feel like that's a good note, note to end on. Um, sweet. Well, everybody, until next time. We'll see you later.